This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. There's no place like home for the holidays or homedepot.com for holiday decor with great low prices on decorations inside and out like artificial Christmas trees to light up the living room, outside lights and playful inflatables that bring joy to the neighborhood. Order online and you'll even get free delivery. Holiday decorating improved with a wide assortment of holiday decor from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Free standard shipping on most online orders over $45. Some exclusions apply while supplies last. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Earl Sampson Folk, and you're joining me now after the Raptors 124-120 win against Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings moving to 2-6 on the season. The Raptors nearly the inverse at 5-2. And And yes, this is the season in which they are the defending champions of the NBA. An exciting game, a lot of hubbub at the end, a really crazy start for the Raptors. They came out guns ablaze. Well, not literally came out because there was four shots in which they didn't make any, but then the next 14 they took went in. A lot of assists. I think there was four or five players in this game that had five assists or more for the Raptors, which is a heap, if you guys didn't know. That's that's a pretty good job of sharing the wealth. But in the first quarter, I think it was really balanced offensive effort and initially a really great defensive effort as well. And that's something that we've been looking for from the Raptors throughout the full games. We have seen this type of formula before from the Raptors. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is the Magic game where they came out, they blew the doors off the Magic. The three-point shot was going down, lots of passing and side-top-side action, not strictly relying in pick-and-roll and playing really good initial defense. And some problems crept up in the Magic game, and the Magic were able to lock down their own defense, and that's how it changed. But in this one, the Raptors, they weren't able to rely on that same type of offense going into the second quarter that they had in the first quarter. Obviously, they weren't going to keep shooting 
14 for 14. I guess it would have been 14 for 18, but obviously they're not going to replicate that over the whole course of the game. And defensively, considering that the Kings were able to sneak in and grab some offensive rebounds, that was a problem for the Raptors once again, especially in the first half. I'm not sure what it ended up for the game. It looks like 12 offensive rebounds, so it's like 6-6 six and six for each half. But 12-2, to two, the Raptors did not eat on the offensive class, and the Kings definitely won that space of the game. The Raptors won overall, of course, which is what you really want, but still something to consider that the Raps keep up giving double-digit offensive rebound nights to their opponents, even to like the Bucks, who were 30th in offensive rebounding coming into the game against the Raptors, still had double digits against the Raptors. So still looking to complete that part of the defense, closing off those possessions. But the big bright spot of the early going was that in that fluid pass-heavy offense, OG Ananobi, his, you know, revamped and beautiful three-point shot, he was 3 of 4 in this game from downtown. Two of those came in the first quarter, I believe. He was able to find the soft spots in the defense, both as a shooter and a cutter. The work he did early on was transcendent almost, and he's we're seeing the trend of him getting close to the most minutes on the floor for this Raptors team. It's clear how much they rely on him at the wing, and that makes his step this year and his improvements this year all the more important. And that's what more can you ask for as a Raptors fan to watch Kyle Lowry still remaining an all-star point guard Fred Van Vliet to step into the starting lineup and still become better than he was, and OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, both taking big steps. The Raptors, if you were looking at this team and thinking, like, maybe it's an end of the conference team, maybe it's the end of playoffs team, maybe the 6th to 8th seed, if you were thinking that OG was going to stay the same, Siakam tapers off a little bit, and Kyle dips because of his age, I could see that happening. But the Raptors have trended up in basically every single scenario, which has been huge, and the Raptors have looked great early on. But to get back to the game, we're talking about the offensive rebounds, giving those up. That was disappointing in the first half, and also just regression to the mean, both for the Kings and for the Raptors. The Raptors early on shooting the absolute lights out of it, and the Kings not shooting super well and having a tough first quarter as far as offense goes. I think they had only 23, the Raptors had 36. The next quarter, the the Sacramento Kings ended up with 35, and that was closer to the trend of the whole game. The, The Kings did play pretty good offense, even though it did seem a little bit unorthodox for what was their strong suits last year. And that's that's because mostly of the play of De'Aaron Fox. He's doing, you know, it's a mix of raw speed but also looking to introduce that guile and shot making to his game so that means that in this game really good at putting Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry in jail getting downhill on the pick and roll but not getting downhill in the way that we're used to seeing him and not the way that made him so popular last year was lots of speed and he's 6'5 he's a big guard and he when he goes to the rim it really means something he's not super slight either he's well built and when he's going downhill with pace big men have a really tough time keeping up with him that's why in the king's wins this year he's averaging like 11 free throw attempts per game when he starts going downhill at the rim it's pretty transformative for the kings in this one two small point guards are opposing him came out early 
started to put them in jail and wanted to get into floater territory. That wasn't really super effective for him. He did pass out of it pretty well. I thought he did a good job of manipulating the Raptors' defense. When he did slow it down, think of DeMar DeRozan when he kind of meanders into the paint and he's a bigger guy in there relative to the other guards. He can pass with better angles because of his height and length and he's able to create decent three-point shots for his teammates. That is where De'Aaron Fox did a pretty good job tonight. But outside of that, as far as creating his own looks when slowing the game down, that was a big no for him. He didn't do a very good job in the third quarter when things came back around for him. It was due to picking up the pace, putting a little bit more pressure on the big men instead of putting the pressure on the guards at the back end. Although, with that being said, the way he was spreading the ball around, creating three-point looks, was really important to the Kings getting back in this one. And the Raptors, their defense did taper off from the initial success they were having in the first quarter, giving up more possessions, giving up more shots to the opposition, and that's just, that's been the story of this year. Luckily for the Raptors, they've had outstanding offensive performances to back that up anyway. They are a very good team. They have a lot of things going for them, as I mentioned earlier. So this is a kink right now. This is a definitive weakness of their team. But it doesn't break their team. And it doesn't make them lose a bunch of games. And I don't think it will this year. Although that is that is one area of struggle for them. And that's, that's without question. Second quarter also had a bit of Chris Boucher, which I know everybody wants me to check in on. He had that big block on Bogdanovich where Bogey came in on his last step was kind of hung out to dry and Chris Boucher got up there with two hands and swatted the he swatted the hell out of the ball man he really got up there and those are what help side defenders dream of those are great situations for them and outside of that I mean he clearly he puts pressure on defenses on the glass he puts pressure on defenses in transition unlucky for him that he wasn't able to press them in transition in this game very much it just wasn't as fast a game as I thought it would be. The effort on the offensive glass was still there, even though it didn't result in anything. But, you know, that's okay. He came in, did his thing. He's still trying to find his way in the Raptors lineup because are they going to play him as a backup center? Is that his optimal position in the NBA? Or should he be playing the four? Does he have the skills to play at the four? Does he have the weight even for that position? It's just a lot of question marks. So he's got some things to figure out. Nick Nurse has got some things to figure out as far as how he's going to be using him. But, you know, if he's going to come in and give effort, that's all you can really ask for. And they work on their skills in practice and on their own time. And eventually that starts, that gets into the fold. That becomes a part of their game. And that's what OG and Siakam have done. And that's why we're so happy with the steps they're taking. It's all because of the work they're putting in off the floor. Eventually, it'll show itself on the floor. And with Chris Boucher, let's, maybe that's what's going to be happening. In the second quarter, it was with Boucher in, with Ibaka in. It was the same thing that's been happening all year in that Kyle Lowry is lifting up bench units, but not in the same way he was in the past. In the past, the Kyle Lowry bench units would kind of destroy they would do really well. They would have massive net rating jumps, and they would do. They would destroy other benches. They would play really well. Right now, it seems like Kyle Lowry is keeping them from being a complete disaster. 
His shot making has been spectacular to start this year, and it was pretty spectacular in this game. He did a good job of lifting them up offensively, but defensively weren't covering the ground very well. The The Kings were getting a lot of open shots, good three-point shots, and also Harrison Barnes in this game. One of the, I don't know how rare it is, but he does have a reputation as kind of a a guy with blinders on. When he gets the ball, it's really good for him sometimes, but usually to the detriment of the team. And that's maybe a bit too linear of a way to look at it. He's a good player. He's got lots of good skills. He's got length defensively, motor defensively, and just he shoots the three ball well. He can get to the rim, and it's just aggression, mindset, and maybe offensive IQ that's limited him. But in this game, the way he targeted his matchups during the valleys of the Kings offense, I thought he did a really good job of propping up the units next to him. And that was the Kings found a lot of success in that way. So that was that was good for them. A bit of magic from Siakam and Lowry. It it had the Raptors up eight going into the half and coming straight out of the half there was a bit of a change because the lull that the Raptors offense hit needed to be changed around and that that meant that the third quarter was where Siakam was going to reinsert himself there's a lot more possessions for him as an initiator that didn't happen that much in the first quarter the first quarter seemed like it was more about getting um, Gasol the ball in right spots and that was really good for his game early on especially and Siakam was he was mostly just a a force in transition and defensively was kind of ho-hum as he has been to start the year, of course. It's acclimating to becoming a star on offense and trying to mix and match your defense and offensive output to try and find a happy medium where you have effort on both ends. It's it's a tough thing in Siakam. He's going through the motions. I'm expecting his defense will come around by the end of the year, but that was, that was a factor in the first half. Like I said, second half started off with him initiating a lot of offense. That was really good for the Raptors. And the game started to pick up pace. This was due to the fact that Siakam and De'Aaron Fox both, well, Kyle Lowry, of course, who loves to push the pace, but those three players really pushing it. This is where the game started to kind of unload a little bit and things got pretty loose. And that that was fun. There was a lot of great shot making, especially from Siakam and Fox. Both of them really, really good shot makers when going downhill, both working through a lot of contact. It's funny that Siakam, the forward, is the better free throw shooter than Fox, the guard. But that was a hang-up for Fox, and that wasn't a hang-up for Siakam. And Siakam was able to make good on his free throws. He was 7 of 8. I think Fox was like 2 of 5. And Fox, he when he was pushing, the Kings really benefited from it. And so we're seeing the fruits of his labor in a lot of ways. There's guys like Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, Dwayne Dedman. All these guys are, they're they're launching from downtown, and Fox really does eat up a lot of space in the middle, and he passes the ball well enough for, I think, a lot of people. And, you know, the, the Kings, credit to them, they shot the ball really well in this one, 20 of 44 by the end of it, and Fox was stirring the pot, and he was getting everything going. Buddy Heald was really aggressive on curls and dribble handoffs, and that was, you know, that was a big part of their offense. And, of course, the spot-up three-point shooting. To me, the story of the fourth quarter was absolutely Serge Ibaka. He was unreal, and 
while the Kings were surging and the Kings were still hitting threes, they hit 20 in this game, which is, that's a lot of threes for everybody counting at home. Like, a lot of threes to go down. That's 60 points without baskets from anywhere else, without free throws, without layups, without mid-range shots. That's a lot of points. And, you know, it ended up being half of the Kings' points over the full game. And to have Lowry, you know, who was pressing the whole game, doing a really good job of keeping the pace up, targeting the rim for his own game, to see him kind of get a little bit more centered and you start seeing those really nifty passes in the pick and roll. He's a maestro in the pick and roll and to have a really aggressive dive man like Ibaka and they have that rapport and they have that acumen together to find him on the roll. Not only was he really good passing on the short roll, one play comes to mind when he Bogdanovich came up to show Matt Thomas came open in the corner and Ibaka made the pass on the short roll. Matt Thomas did his little pump fake, sidestep, and canned the corner triple. He hit two from that corner. He used two of three on the game, and I thought defended well. And I know everybody always credits him with this. Anytime you see a guy hustling on defense, we think, okay, he's good on defense. But he does hustle on defense, and he wasn't getting cooked or anything, and that's good for him. He's certainly not going to be a Defensive Player of the Year nominee. But he's defending at the NBA level, and he shoots well above the NBA level. So he has a route to minutes. He has the blueprint, and right now he's making good on it. But yeah, to get back to Ibaka's playmaking and shot-making on the roll and short roll, so good. He, he makes himself available to Lowry on the dive from the pick-and-roll straight up top. He cuts in. When the, when the defense is squeezing towards Siakam, you see... Ibaka float into the dunker spot or if it's too close he'll just hang out outside the restricted area and he'll pop a nice little floater and and Siakam was really good at finding him in this game the passing on the inside was really good whether it was OG Siakam Lowry I thought I thought they did a great job and I was really happy with how it turned out but I definitely think that Ibaka was the closer of this game and maybe in a sense it's Kyle Lowry because it was his playmaking, right? And Kyle Lowry went the whole game and has the team on his back in a lot of ways. But Ibaka, I thought, the source of offense that he brought, the dunks, the passing on the short roll, the soft touch on the floaters, and still hitting from mid-range when when it's there, when the defense gives it to him. I thought it's just he is a panache in a lot of ways. His shot-making is so important to what the Raptors are doing and was so important in closing this one out down the stretch. It maybe wasn't as close as 124-120 because there was some kind of hectic basketball playing and turnover-prone antics down the stretch, and it did end up 124-120, but the Raptors on the back of the Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka pick-and-roll, that's what I thought put this game away. That's even though OG missed two free throws at the end, even though things like that happened, Siakam played great, uh, had a great shot contest on Bogdanovich at the very end. The had the air ball, things like that happen, and that's fine. But I thought it was the Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry pick and roll that really lifted the Raptors down the stretch. And yeah, I was really happy with how the Raptors played in a lot of ways. They're still, you know, you never like to see a team get up 44 three point shots if they're shooting that well, and they were shooting well for most of the game. So the Raptors three point defense was kind of lacking and you know that's something they have to work towards they're about to head on a 
on a West Coast road trip that will have the Lakers and the Clippers. Those teams, they don't have super great three-point shooters, and their three-point shooters need space to be good three-point shooters. Sands like Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, and Danny Green. But the other guys, well, Sands, Troy Daniels as well, thinking of the Lakers and Landry Shamet for the Clippers, let's say. But thinking of those teams, you have a lot of guys who really need that eight-foot opening to hit their threes. If the Raptors play good, disciplined three-point defense, better than they played tonight, they can really impact the ancillary scoring that the Lakers and Clippers will be giving to them. And they'll have a chance to kind of tighten that up against the Pelicans when they play them on Friday. But that's just something I'd like to see them focus on and something that I'd like to see get better, especially with the defensive rebounding as well. You give up a lot of good <laughs> three-point looks. You give up a lot of um, offensive rebounds. Those two bleed into each other. And if that's going to become a point of weakness, you don't want it stacking. But they won this game, like I said, a lot of things to like, a couple things to dislike, but they're not so far from being good or decent at it. And yeah, 124-120. Reggie Evans' award goes to Serge Baca. Like, I, I wax poetic about him for like three minutes in a row towards the end of the podcast anyway. And yeah, he was fantastic on the short roll, fantastic on the dive, aggressive in a way that Marcus All just isn't and can't be. And they... There's a nice yin and yang to their game, especially with how Kyle Lowry plays off of both of them. And to see that Gasol is usually playing as Van Vliet's pick-and-roll partner now, and that Kyle Lowry is getting those Lowry plus bench units, that Ibaka is back to getting Kyle Lowry as his pick-and-roll partner. It's no wonder that Ibaka is putting up massive numbers for a bench big to start the year. And I, is there a better bench big in the league? I mean, Sabonis is starting now. It's Montrez Harrell, maybe, but honestly, Serge Ibaka, I think, has been the best bench big in the whole league, which is a credit to him and the effort he puts in and just how rangy he is on defense, how willing he is to put the work in, and how aggressive he is on the dive. It's so big for the Raptors. They, there's a lot of hesitancy on the team, and with Ibaka, there's no hesitancy. He absolutely fills the need, and the effort and willingness to be a shot maker and a shot taker in this one and go after it and get to the rim was it was very, very paramount to the Raptors' success, and I, I enjoyed it very thoroughly. Once again, we've run into a game where there is no discernible way to tell who a villain is because there wasn't really any villainous acts, and so the Mitchell Robinson Award is still remaining on the back burner, but I'm sure... When it comes to playing the Lakers and Clippers, we will have plenty of cannon fodder to um, let the Mitchell <laughs> Robinson Award fly. The top quick reaction comment is from Moko right now. He says, or she says, they say, that game should not have been so close. The Raps have to be better closing out games, especially at home. Gasol was okay tonight, but man, he just looks so awkward on offense. OG continues to impress, but my man has to learn how to shoot free throws. Kind of inexcusable for a wing. Um, I thought Gasol was better than okay. I thought his defense was really strong tonight. You can you just see so many times during a game how good he is at contesting at the rim, and his positioning is really really good. He's not getting in trouble on defense, and 
credit the Raptors scheme for not asking him to jump out on guys a lot and he gets to drop but he's been good at it his rim defense I thought was good tonight and I thought when the Raptors put him in a position to succeed on offense to start the game let him work in the low post let him work on the elbow I thought the Raptors offense thrived with his creation and his passing and even though they went away from that I'm not so sure that that's his fault I thought when he was put in the right positions he made good on it so I thought he was better than okay I thought Gasol was good tonight definitively good not better than Ibaka because Ibaka was the bee's knees and has been better than Gasol this year and once again Ibaka was fantastic but I thought Gasol was definitively good tonight and OG with free throws yeah he's working on it I'm sure inexcusable for a wing I don't know there's there's lots of guys who miss free throws OG it'll come around he's clearly putting in a lot of work on his shot mechanics and how good his shot making is he was three or four from downtown tonight I it sucks to see anybody miss two free throws in a row at the end of games but that's low sample very small sample I don't think it's uh gonna be a big problem going forward I don't think he'll be shooting a ton of free throws at end games and also he's a better percentage shooter than like one of three or one of four it'll come back around lots of things to like tonight so yeah moco uh keep uh keep your head on the bright side of things there's uh it, it'll be okay we're about to head on a west coast road trip that i think should be lots of fun lots of really good uh teams coming into the fray and uh this will be the real test the kings you know the raptors were they were always going to win that game they did their thing even if it was a little bit wild at the end for me this is the end of the podcast i hope you enjoyed listening whether you got into it in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye between prepping ingredients setting the table and planning your tomorrow sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner delta faucet is here to help just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with delta faucet voice iq technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water done visit deltafaucet.com voice iq to see how voice iq can fill your dog's bowl wash your hands and more did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance.